Welcome to Amona Moment, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art in Laconner, Washington. On April 28th, Mona hosted Coffee with Local Artists Bob Abrams and Chuck Bancuti. In part one of this Mona Moment, Bob Abrams will be taking you through his transition from a Disney artist to a fine artist to the present day and sharing his insights from his life and work. We hope you enjoy this Mona Moment. First of all, welcome. Um, I'm Joanna Sykes and I'm the director of the museum. And to my right, my right hand, is uh, Lauren Carol Bolger. And she is our, um, uh, excuse me, education assistant. What is wrong with me today? You know, I have a bad back, so I took my pain pill just like he did. So you have to excuse this. If we sort of break into song or something. Yeah, you, you dance? Did, yeah, dance and sing. Okay, yeah. dance and sing. So anyway, forgive us if we sort of like lift to the right. Uh, but anyway, we're really happy to have these two gentlemen here. Um, you know, I haven't been, I guess maybe I've been here a year now, but just barely. And one of the things that we really wanted to do, because the museum, of course, is committed to all the artists in their region, and the fact that, you know, our region still has a very <coughs> vibrant artistic community. Um, but when you come into a new situation like I did, you inherit certain things. And so the museum is under contract with several artists for the next three years. There's very little we could do. One thing we did do is that we felt strongly, uh, myself and the curatorial team, that we needed to get the collection back up. So the one change we did make is we brought uh, in the work from our off-site storage, and that's what you see downstairs. It was time to bring all the work back in the building. And this is just a very small part. And the other thing, we did get Susan, enticed her, Susan Park, to come back. She's our director emeritus. And she helped us tell the narrative because she knows far more about the history of the museum than I do. And I think it's very successful and I think it really kind of brings everything home here. So what we're going to do now is that every time we change the downstairs exhibition, part of what you see downstairs now will be up here. And she's going to start curating those shows up here. So you'll still be able to see what our mission is all about and for all the visitors that we have. So that's the one thing we can do. The other thing we can do is that we can start having artists in our community, working artists, come to the museum and do a panel, talk, talk about their work. You know, the thought of not being able to have a permanent exhibition for three years we just didn't want to wait for three years. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that these gentlemen are here. So this is the beginning of our artist panel series. And so both Chuck and Bob agreed to kind of, not to be our guinea pigs, but to be the very first one. And, uh, yeah, and there's so many stories to tell, and we'll tell you one. And that's what, we do have to have a time, you know, for today so that we don't spend the night. And uh, so when we talked to Bob, uh, he, Lauren goes, well, you know, working out your schedule, because we have a very set schedule here. And you've got, you know, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And he goes, oh, I need a little more time. And she goes, what? He goes, I need five hours. And we went, not today. <laughs> but one thing for sure is that when they're done with their presentation, everyone can stay and have a conversation. And it's, you know, we close at five. Um, but just to let you know. So um, that is the first thing. I don't really need to introduce them. You'll know who Chuck and Robert are. And they're going to start out talking about who they are, where they came from, and showing their slides. 
And then at <coughs> the end, you know, we're going to have a good, I don't know, more, a little more than a half an hour for you guys to ask questions formally. And then once again, as I say, you don't need to disperse. I mean, this is a, a celebration. It's a time to get to know them. So we're glad that you are here. So here we go. And I guess it's okay to say that I've been in this, in the arts, one way or another. Oh, thank you. Uh, for a long, long time. Uh, really a long time. Uh, when I was growing up, there were two things that I knew that were definite. That I loved to draw. That's what I wanted to do. And I uh, wanted to be a Disney artist. So that's where my goals were at that time. Uh, when I was about nine or ten years old, I drew a picture <clears throat> of uh, Donald Duck. And of course, my mom thought it showed great talent. So uh, we sent it off to Disney Studios and uh, got a letter back about, a, about a, a week later saying thank you for the Donald Duck. And that uh, when you graduate high school, uh, continue your art uh, education and come out to California for an interview. Okay, uh, that, that was fine with me. So uh, when I graduated high school and spent four years in the Navy, I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> and uh, I think that's when I got my first singer because, you know, life has a way of throwing you curves but not telling you when they're coming. And my first curve came with the, when I was at the Art Institute. Uh, in one of my drawing classes, they introduced me to two artists, Norman Rockwell and uh, uh, Maxfield Parrish. I don't know whether you know, everybody knows. Anyhow, uh, I thought their work was beautiful. And it sort of got me thinking in a different direction. Uh, but you know, I just graduated from art school portfolio in hand. I'm on my way to California, called Disney, said you owe me a, a, an interview that you promised me when I was 10 years old. And they set it up. Now, one thing I wanted you to remember, that back when I was going to art school, the Art Institute, animation just started. Nobody was teaching animation. So, uh, my interview with Disney Studios was going to be strictly on my ability to draw. <clears throat> but I guess I did okay because, whoops, uh, because uh, I got a call back, V call, to come back. Uh, I'm going to be a Disney artist. Wow. Well, it wasn't that easy because you had to go through Walt Disney's School of Animation first. Now nobody, this is all new stuff. So uh, I did and um, that was it. I became a Disney artist. This is, this is you know, phenomenal. This is what I wanted all my life, I thought. Well, uh, the second zinger that I got was the big one because it changed my life completely. Uh, I was introduced in the flesh to uh, Josh Metter, 
who was the head of uh, Disney Animation uh, Effects. And uh, he was a fine artist, well-known fine artist. Mark Davis, key animator for Disney, was also a well-known fine artist. And uh, Ivan Earl, who was a very famous, his art, he passed away not too long ago. And his work you can find all over the, over the world, actually. But uh, here they are, they were all Disney artists, but they were all famous painters. And that did it for me. From that point on, all I wanted to do was paint. And these guys were gonna be my teachers. And they were tough. They were really tough. Uh, but I was sort of obsessed with learning to paint. So uh, I did, and about, I guess it was uh, in 1970, I think it was 1975 or 76, uh, I left Disney, and I became the background artist for the other studios for Warner Brothers, Hanna-Barbera, all the other cartoon studios. Um, that was, uh, I was, uh, going back, I, I was painting for all the studios now. Warner Brothers, Hanna-Barbera doing the Jetsons, uh, Yogi Bear, Mr. Magoo. Uh, and I thought, well, I had the best of all worlds because I was painting during the day, doing background art, and at night I was able to go and do my fine arts work. And that just, it just kept going and going. It was just a great way, except that uh, uh, let me get some of my notes here. Uh, yeah, 19, I'm trying to think of the dates, in 1970, uh, while I was working at Warner Brothers, well, actually in 1967, I went to Warner Brothers. I was doing the Bugs Bunny show when I was uh, accepted into the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in the American Film Institute. Uh, I left Warner's in 1970 and became the senior art director for several ad agencies and corporations in the Southern California area. At nighttime, I uh, went back to college to the UCLA to get my teaching credential. And uh, from that point on, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach and lecture at art schools and institutes, and that was what I progressed on doing. Uh, until present time, uh, when now I use all my time to paint and whatever I do at home. Uh, uh, as far as my work goes, I brought some slides to show you. I brought slides of my fine arts work, and I brought slides of the same th uh, area of my animation. Animation art and fine arts are really the same. The only difference between the two is the style that you're painting in, that you're painting. And uh, that's what I do, and I paint uh, most every day. Uh, my work is considered eclectic. I was gonna say eccentric, but it's not <laughs> eclectic. And uh, 
Uh, I prefer, right now, I, I prefer to work on masonite rather than canvas. And of course, the medium I'm using is still acrylic. But, oh, but anyhow, uh, I'm sorry, Carl, I thought you had your hand. <laughs> anyhow, um, and I want to go through these slides with you. Okay, this is also acrylic. The reason I like to work in acrylic is because it's the, I'm a very fast painter. And uh, you can use acrylics as watercolor if you water it down. You can use it as acrylics, or you can use as oils if you want to paint really heavy. So it's, it's, it's a fun thing. And this painting would have probably taken me probably the better half of a day. Okay, we can go to the next one. Uh, again, uh, acrylics, uh, blending a lot. I don't think I have names for all of these. I'm not sure. But uh, anyhow, there's, as you know, it, it's uh, being from, uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but uh, no booze, please. I know that Pittsburgh. But, uh, I lived in California, uh, again, for working with the studios for so long. There's a lot of seagulls, a lot of birds, all kinds of neat stuff. But uh, I paint from my studio. I don't, I'm not a plain air painter. And, uh, okay, we go to the next one. Uh, the color may be a little off on this because that's a lot gray, it, that's bright quite bright, but um, it's called the fog. <coughs> it's a lot grayer than that. I'm, I guess I didn't take a good picture of it. Okay, a lot of my family has my paintings now. <laughs> I have uh, probably close to 200 uh, stacked in the closet, leaning against the walls, hanging on some of the walls. But uh, okay, that's good. This is a, a more contemporary thing. Uh, it's called Fall in the Night. And uh, it was just, I, I really like to work, uh, if I had my choice, I would work in, in color and space. Uh, it's, it's just more uh, demanding and so many things you have to know. Uh, the computer area, era, changed fine arts as it changed a lot of things uh, drastically. But uh, I, I've only done one painting actually from a drawing in the computer. I don't know whether I have it in here or not, but it's called Double Jeopardy and it's a, 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 a hawk. Okay. Uh, lock and tackle just something to play around with, like that. <coughs> I used to have a little boat, it was called the Looney Tunes, so <laughs> naturally. Uh, and of course, my, my vehicle that I use now uh, has Mickey Mouse on one side, and it says the Mouse Factory. When people used to say, well, where do you work? You never said Disney's. And uh, we always were referred to Disney's as the Mouse Factory. So uh, I have the mouse factory on one side, and then Daffy Duck is on the other side of the car. 
and it says uh, the Looney Tunes. So uh, you can throw stones at me or something as you see me driving down the street. But okay, uh, this was basically uh, I think this was watercolor, and uh, that yellow or the yellowish sky over the whole thing is is a wash. Uh, I painted it in normal colors and then just took that uh, the yellowish color and washed it from the top down. And it's just a, a lighthouse out there. Okay. Uh, this is the lighthouse down in uh, San Diego. A friend of mine came in and I was working with uh, um, at the Floor Corporation, California. He came down from Canada and he and his wife wanted uh, toward Southern California and wanted to uh, take something back and he asked if I would paint him a picture of the lighthouse. So this is, and that's sepia ink. Um, and uh, again, that's um, using a lot of the ink as a wash as you would watercolor. Okay. Uh, I, I got into this space stuff, you know, <clears throat> and uh, I did a series of, of paintings called Space is Not Dark. And uh, I've got a lot of really big pieces that are uh, just on space. I don't think I could fit them all in here. You'd be here for days. So, uh, okay. Uh, this is just a crow sitting on a I like crows, and I have one of uh, almost the same crow at daylight, but uh, it's, it's slightly different. Okay. Okay, now we're going to go into some of the animation stuff. As I say, you know, th this was the opening scene from the uh, film uh, Feud with a Dude, I think it came out of Warner Brothers. And this was the opening shot of, uh, to bring into, and it was, the, the character that we used on this was um, a little mouse that was a takeoff on W.C. Fields. So, uh, okay. Uh, again, now we've changed styles. And this was from um, Mr. Magoo, it's famous adventures of Mr. Magoo. Um, and there's a series of these, so you can see we totally changed styles the way we were painting. Okay. Okay, and that was the inside where you were, or the outside, looking in the window where they were sitting talking. I think the next one is the table that they were sitting at. Yeah, we could go to the next one. Okay, Pepe Le Pew. Uh, of course, the Eiffel Tower, this was a peppy type of thing. Again, different style. Okay. I don't, okay, this is the, uh, 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 the Ben Hare uh, out of Warner Brothers. Now, if with the computer was there at the time, the next one, the next scene, would have been really easy to do. But the next background was this uh, same thing we had to repaint at night. Okay, we can do the nights. So here we go at night. Okay. Uh, okay, I don't know what the next one. 
This was the opening of a TV show, and it was just a graveyard type of thing. Uh, yeah, okay, I see where we go from here. Okay. Is that the last one? That's the last one. <laughs> Anyhow, so I'm going to crawl back to the chair. And if you have any questions, I'll, I'll be glad to fill in questions too. But uh, that's my career in the background. In, in a few minutes, I guess. Okay, let me see. Uh, there you go. Okay. So, Bob, you were just you were creating the background paintings. No, and then someone no, else would, no. would do the characters. animation before the computer was totally different than it is now. Uh, you worked in, in the groups, like when we were doing um, um, Sleeping Beauty, for instance. There was a scene on that you had the animator, which was a key animator, you had an assistant animator, you had a breakdown artist, and you had an in-betweener and you worked in it. Everything was laid out. You had an exposure sheet. You had a dialogue record that was told you what the dialogue was. And then this sheet told you what level it was uh, because if you were on the bottom level, the cells that these things were painted on would change. It, it would change the color. So Disney had their own uh, paint factory, and it was his own paint. It had a, uh, I forget what the, the stuff was, but it had a, like if it's a uh, flesh color, it would flesh one, flesh two, and it would tell you what level it was on. It was very complicated, a lot different than it is today, you know, and there were a lot more drawing. Yes? These, these, paint, are these paintings, and what's the medium? And, and Acrylic. And what are they painted on? Uh, they're painted on a heavy, um, Heavy paper, what it's called. It, it, it's it's a cardboard, almost a cardboard, but it's so thin, and it's um, I forget what they call it. Like vellum? No, no, not vellum. It's it's a paper, but it's um, and everything was done by registration. Everything had. Um, I can if I can get to my work and show you if you want to take your time to do it. Um, they were called peg holes. Disney's pegs were different than the other studio's pegs. Disney had a first of everything. Walt was, you know, and we did call him Walt. He did not want to be called Mr. Disney. And so everybody at the studio did call him Walt, so I'm not getting very familiar with it. You know, with it. And uh, he's not frozen, by the way. Yeah. And you said these were introductory paintings. Where did it go from that point? Uh, actually, they'd have peg holes. The peg holes for backgrounds would be at the top. It would be, uh, uh, you'd have your, your sheet of paper. And if it was top pegs, it would be here, zero, here. And this, that would be the top pegs for backgrounds. The bottom is for the, and then you'd have a, a legend here from the uh, animator to tell you how many drawings are in between. The animator would do the first and last. His assistant would do the middle and the remaining of these. 
then it, it went down the level, down the level to, uh, to the in-between. Uh, so everything was done on pegs and by registration. Bob? Yes? So when you're talking about the pegs, right, so, uh, you know, I've seen cells before. You yes. Know, with, with a character on it. Yeah. So when does, like, how many cells build up and when does the character appear? Or are, or are they there from the beginning? You know, like doing the background and then all of the character appears? Or? Yeah, the, it depends on what the scene would be, the, how many levels there would be. But each level had to be compensated for, and the, the camera was on a, on a long table. It had peg holes, top pegs, bottom pegs, and you'd everything would be have their place. And the and the cameraman would have the the lights were uh, uh, what do you call it? They're synchronized. And uh, everything, and the, and the camera went up and down, north and south, and the table went east and west. And everything was done in increments. So it, and they had to follow the sheets. But uh, I do have to say that Walt, well, thank you. Uh, Walt um, saw everything that was done. Everything was done in pencil first, was drawn out. And then it was filmed in black and white. And then we'd have dailies. And everything, all the dailies would come back and Walt would okay them or not okay them. Uh, used to drive his brother nuts because sometimes if Walt didn't like it, he would have it done over and over until he got it to where he wanted it. And it cost money. And uh, there are so many stories about how Disneyland started how about you know, where the money came from and all this. Walt didn't want to have anything to do with that. Walt was creative. He handled everything, he saw everything that went out of the studios. He had storyboards that took up probably that wall, the storyboard could take up that wall of a feature film of each scene and what, what was happening. So, uh, it was very complicated. It wasn't as easy today where uh, when we did a character, say we had uh, Mickey Mouse running, uh, today the camera or the uh, computer will do the shadows for you, will do the lighting for you. Uh, when I was there, if we had uh, Mickey running, uh, they would do all the animation and send it down to the effects department and we had to do, draw the shadows. If it was snowing or raining, we had to do the snow rain step at a time, drawing at a time. So it was a lot more complicated. But um, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to paint and that's what I was doing and that's where, that's where I went. So. If that's it, that, that's, <laughs> that's, you know. Good job. Thanks. Thanks.